I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filipponi. First and Pod, baby. Week 18 edition. Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi in what is sure to be a very weird week in the NFL. What's up, Pony? I want to shout out a couple of our loyal listeners to First and Pod. I know our... What's the bosses like when there's engagement with people that are fans of the show? Yeah. Number one is Roland, who is good friends with David Tepper. And he's a listener to our podcast. Roland is. I don't know about David Tepper yet, but based on the conversation from uh, the pod that went live, well, that would have been on t- Wednesday morning. Yeah, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. Yep. Yeah, so we might hear back from Mr. Tepper about Danny's remarks regarding him. And I think he got off light. Then we have another guy whose name is Arthur, who likes it when we're more argumentative. Oh, and is pushing for more arguments on the podcast. So let's see what we can do here. I am in full disclosure and drinking a beer here. So we'll see this 8.6%. We'll see where that gets me by the end of this podcast. And I know you're completely sober. So You'll have to be the person who's really uh, in charge of this show. Yeah, one beer I know that uh, historically has gotten you. And uh, yeah, my plane is taking off. But as of now, we're still on the tarmac. Uh, you ready to go? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Game number one, baby. Your game. Steelers-Ravens. Lamar is sitting. Harbaugh does not sound confident. Can you blame him? Man, I saw his press conference during the week talking about John Harbaugh, and it sounds like this is a decision that he knows is the one he's supposed to make. But there's a lot of anguish, and there's a lot of consternation. And I think that he's worried that there's a chance for a repeat for what happened in 2019. That Tennessee. Yes, and he admitted this week again that he thought his team came out flat for that game. And so he was going to factor that into the decision that he made. So I'm just surprised uh, and as far as like the transparency on Harbaugh's part, like that he really think that thinks that this is something they have to guard against and prepare against. And, um, you know, uh, I don't know if I agree with that. Like if the guy wanted us to be argumentative, um, they would say in therapy, to verbalize your your problem. You know, 
There's injury. Are you risk saying with- this from someone who's been before? You're getting secondhand therapy. I, I'm in therapy every week. Oh, I thought, so this is not a couples therapy thing. This is a individual therapy. I'm in therapy every week. I've done couples therapy. I'm in favor of it. Uh, Oh, so am I. I've never really done the couples thing. I'm a huge fan of the, for mental health purposes, therapy. And you're you're saying this has come up in your discussions. uh, Well, and and in reading about it, I listened to uh, the Blocks podcast by Neil Brennan fantastic he's like the most therapized person i've ever heard and he has people on to talk about things that they struggle with or whatever but that's not the point the point is this uh if you play your guys you're risking injury if you sit your guys you're risking rust he has experienced risking rust so hopefully he has learned from that and will make changes to it this time it's like a team that goes over and plays in london and they went over a week before, and then they didn't like that. So then, you know, they learn their lesson and go over 48 hours before and just, like, deal with the jet lag to keep the rest of the routine of the week in check. Like, it's okay to learn, speak about things, acknowledge it. If you acknowledge it, it makes your players more aware of it. I mean, maybe the argument is it makes them tense in the playoff game. But I think, hey, coach is worried that we're going to be rusty. We've got to be hyper aware, and we'll show him – is an effective motivation tool. So I assume that Harbaugh just feels like he's learned something from the last time. If Lamar Jackson hadn't been injured at the end of the year in both 2021 and 2022, I think that he would play him in this game. I think that that feeling of having to put Tyler Huntley on the field in Cincinnati and two years ago losing to the Steelers in a play-in game. That's a good reason. No, no, I, I, I know it is. But if Lamar Jackson had a cleaner bill of health for his career. I think he'd play him in this game. And I think he would use, I think he would go back to like the Giants and Patriots in 07 in week 17 and play the integrity of the game card and respect to the rivalry thing and prop that up, which by the way, I do think that could have helped the Ravens. I wish, I don't wish as a Steelers fan that they were playing those guys. It obviously benefits my team, but I do think that Harbaugh, I, I think that this was like a 55-45 or 60-40 decision. I agree. I agree. I think you can make the case on either side. Um, the other thing, though, is, man, it's not – people are, like, making the point, oh, treat it like a preseason game. Treat it like – you can't – you can't. Not everybody has uh, – I mean, you you have 53 guys. You dress 46. You're, you're playing guys that would normally dress. Yes, you are playing backups. Yes, you are playing starters, fewer snaps, all of that stuff. But there's only so many guys who can just like straight up not you don't have the 90-man roster like you do in August is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, there, you know, there's only so many guys that you can straight up not play in the game. Like a, a key player or players for the Ravens who they'll need in the playoffs could get hurt in this game. They're not going to sit everybody. Okay, the later game on Saturday is the first playoff game of the year. The winner's yeah. in, the loser's out. Who do you like between the Texans and Colts? Houston is a one-point road favorite. So this is looked at as a very close competitive game. I agree with Houston and the line, though. I think that we've just seen that Stroud is a difference maker. And I, I hate to do QB-only analysis here, but the ceiling with Stroud for Houston we've seen them be dominant this year and we've seen them be elite offensively 
So that's a game changer for them. I think they're more talented significantly at the most important position. I expect them to win. I would not make apologies for superficial or uh, the Malcolm Gladwell just thin slicing, you know, Occam's Razor type analysis here. If people want the all 22, there's Baldy's podcast, there's Stink says, they can do those things. They come to us as as these, you know, we're macro thinkers here, right? Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. If your analysis macro thinker. If your analysis is one team is CJ Stroud and the other one doesn't, I'm fine with that. Um, because we've seen Houston night and day difference between what they look like with him and when it's uh Case Keenum at quarterback. Um, I think the NFL hopes that Houston wins because they want to get Stroud into the playoffs and they can sell him as the next quarterback prodigy. I think Indianapolis will win. Uh Gardner Minshew. Played in this game in week two. They won. Uh, Stroud had two fumbles in that game. So I wonder about Indy's pass rush is fifth in the league in sacks. Are they going to be able to protect him? He doesn't have Tank Dell anymore, Danny. He had seven catches in that first game. And Jonathan Taylor didn't play in that first game. And he's coming off his best game since his uh, thumb injury. He had almost 100 yards against the Raiders. So I think all year, Indianapolis has gotten overlooked and overshadowed. Because Minshew has really given up. He hasn't leaned in to the to the Fu Manchu jorts. I missed that Gardner Minshew. What happened to fun guy that, that is, lived that in is macro thinking? That is macro thinking. That's what we do here. But do you agree with that? Like I do agree with that. He's a guy that if he were, you know, if he embraced that personality like he did when he first came into the league in Jacksonville, I think he could have like a folk hero type thing going with Indy this year. And he seems to want to run away from that now. Yeah. I think he's all business Minshew. I think he's growing up. I I think, I think he's like, I judge me on my merits, dude. We talked about it before they played him. He is a real quarterback. Yes. They, they, one team has Gardner Minshew. The other has CJ Stroud. Obviously I I believe more in Stroud for this game and long-term in terms of like fan excitement and buy-in and all of that stuff. But Minshew absolutely could win a shootout with CJ Stroud if you get good if if you get good Minshew. He has he's a streaky in-game player. He can get I, hot. I think it's possible that three teams are going to make the playoffs in the AFC who would not have made it if their starting quarterbacks stayed healthy. <laughs> yeah, Cleveland. Browns. Yeah. Number one. Colts, two. If it's Anthony Richardson for the whole year. Three and most surprising. Steelers. That is very surprising coming from you. Do you think Kenny Pickett averages 32 points a game and scores uh, 30 in Seattle and then 34 no. against the Bengals? I do not. I do not either. I No. And we'll see if they make it, obviously. Uh, last shot. Have you seen what's happened in the coach of the year market? Yeah, and I have a theory on that. Is Stefanski the big favorite now? Minus nine fifty. That's why they're starting Jeff Driscoll. By the way, this weekend, I'm convinced of that. Just so they can say they played five starting quarterbacks in one year. It's, I, it it is impressive. It it of course it's, he gets an A. He gets a grade of an A for the regular season. Yeah, but I just look at their I, win I, total I, before the season started compared to Indies. Correct, correct. And Shane Steichen is ten to one. Win this game, and I'll be on here making the Shane Steichen Coach of the Year case. 
if Indy wins. I don't expect him to, but if he wins the game, I'll make the case on the pod. Next. Oh, it's my turn. Bills and Dolphins. Last game of the year, game 272. Should Buffalo be favored in Miami? No, they shouldn't be because of how they played the last two weeks. They beat New England by six. Josh Allen threw for 169 and had an interception in that game. If there's not a pick six by Rasul Douglas, they might have, I mean, they probably still win, but it was an ugly win. And then the week before against LA, the Peacock game that you couldn't watch because you were at some foo-foo party. Um, right? Am I telling you? Yeah, no, am I objecting? No. Man, yeah, uh, no yeah, they, they they have not played. They played more like October, like they played more like September Bills in Oct- in October Bills than they have the team that has rattled off four wins in a row to get themselves into this spot. They've not passed my eye test the last two weeks, but like we said on this podcast, my eyes are not Bar- Brian Baldinger's or Mark Slareth. So maybe. How did Miami look to the eye test when the game was 56-19 against Baltimore? How'd they look two weeks ago against Dallas at home? 22-20. I mean, are the Cowboys top 10 team? That was not the most impressive. I mean, yes, you have a two-week sample size on your eye test. I got a one-week on that ass-kicking against. I mean, transmitted property, the Bills beat the Cowboys by more than the Dolphins did, if you wanted to do it that way. But I think Miami is getting docked here. Because of their injuries. I think that's why they're an underdog in this game too. Because of what's happened. And Mike McDaniel should get harangued for what happened there. I mean, just awful to let Bradley Chubb get hurt in that game down 30 points is unacceptable. And good thing to his shoulder checked out. Because if he didn't, he would have gotten crucified for that move too. Um you know, I don't what think they miss much we, with Mostert being out because I think Achain can do even better than him. That might be a blessing in disguise for them in this game. Yeah, I mean, Achain is obviously the big play threat. The speed is crazy. Uh, home run hitting in that offense, scarier. Mostert's been a touchdown beneficiary. Um, the Buffalo scenario of two seed on the table out of the playoffs on the table. I don't have a, we don't have a precedent for that. Correct? Especially in a seven team era of seven teams making the playoffs. I don't think so, but I'd have to go back and really like I, workshop that one. It just, I mean, it, 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 I think it's, it, it feels impossible given how recent this playoff format uh, has been around. Just, and I know that they're a favorite to make the playoffs and they should be, but there is a world in which. By this, by kickoff of this game, if Buffalo loses, they're out. Yep. And whereas there's a scenario where they win and get the two seed, that is a pretty crazy swing. And I hope it happens for uh, for Palace injury. I just want to say one more thing about McDaniel. He said this week we would have signed up for this. I don't want to hear that from my head coach. Don't try to shoot sunshine and rainbows up my ass. Your team's limped here the last few games. You just got blown out. I hate when I hear coaches say that. You know, they try to give you a silver lining coming off of some bad loss or some kind of mini collapse at the end of the year and give you the whole, well, if I would have told you on September 4th that we would be playing for a division title at home in week 18, you guys would have signed up for this. Don't try to make me feel better about the way you played or the way you've coached the last few weeks. Shut up. He's an interesting cat, man. 
And you that shut it, up. Wow. That, see, that's that is a harsher read on that man. McDan- McDaniel has hit that out of the park. What ninety eight times out of a hundred? Well, you brought up last year that the Tua thing, the way he handled himself and everything else there, took some of the bloom off the rose. And if they lose to Buffalo, finish ten and seven, go to Kansas City and lose a playoff game in the first round, what are people going to say about Mike McDaniel then? It it'll have some Chargers vibes to it. He will not get as criticized as uh, he probably should for that result. To be perfectly honest with you, because he's likable, incredibly likable, and and at times flashing a very very high ceiling, young, all of that stuff, analytics, darling, nerdy, like, yeah, like relatable. All of those things will help him in the court of public opinion. And I'll be honest with you, it'll help me with it in the court of public opinion. In that exact scenario, to add to your side though, also in a year where Rodgers gets hurt, like the Jets were supposed to be a huge threat to them. And that division, and they weren't. So that's a, that's another thing where it's going to be like, oh man, you missed a huge opportunity uh, if you're McDaniel this year. We will have more first and pod after this. All right, welcome back, first and pod. Subscribe, rate, review. We got a little bump in uh, five star reviews since the last time, so I'm going to shout it out again. Uh, if you're listening to the pod, tweet us your five star review. We'll retweet you, and uh, you can even to- rip us in the review. Just make sure there's five stars. Yeah. But one guy did, he was a real hater, and he left a one-star review and blamed, uh, I think it was your Tepper take from last week. Maybe it was Tepper. Maybe Tepper signed he up. He left one star? He got a one-star review. And the Can guy cited him to give a better, uh, once I, you give one review, are you allowed to give a second one? No, that's your review. He'd have to change it. Yeah. I'm saying, well, man. You know what? If that, there's if consequences he, for bad takes. That was a bad take. There's consequences. You gave us a bad review, Pony. That's 100% on you. So my game, what do we have next? Yeah, I don't know. Bears-Packers. Oh, boy. My game. Ask me. Well, I wanted to ask you about Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Kimmel because it's Green Bay, but I think I'll pass on oh, that. Oh, well, no. I mean, I got <laughs> how much time. So instead, uh, Green Bay. Hey, 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 actually, on that real quick, uh, we plug him as the number one listener. People should listen to the What's Right show. Nick did 15 extemporaneous minutes on Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Kimmel, and Pat McAfee and Toxic Internet Brain. First and pod listeners should check it out. Have you seen it or heard it? Well, he promised that he was going to do a topic for me. Did he do it on his podcast? I don't know if he did your topic, but answer my question. Did you hear what he said about that subject? It was very good. Uh, I, my, my, you should listen to that after if you haven't. Well, I'm going to just tell you my listening habits with his show happened between midnight and 3 a.m. So you know what time we're taping this right now. So that should yep. give you an answer for as to whether or not I've listened to All it right, yet. Check it out. Green Bay and Chicago. The Packers are in the same spot as last year. Will lightning strike twice? And they blow it in week 18 and miss the playoffs at Lambeau. And so it was Detroit. And what's crazy about that is that Matt Eberflus has cited the Lions all year as a team that started bad. Like, they were pulling out the record books uh, at one and five. I'm like one and five teams who had made the playoffs because each of them, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, had had a connection to a team that did it. Eberflus and Indy, Poles in uh, in Kansas City, that at least made a run to double digit wins in a season where they started one and five. And they're citing now the Bears are that how Detroit finished last year, and so it's a huge factor in the game. It's going to be in the heads of the Packers. 
It's in the heads of the Bears. They're like, we're going to make this about us and what we could do to finish. I have Jalen Johnson on the show. Like, hey, so what's it mean that it's the Packers? You know, mm-hmm. we can end their we can end their season, and there's only two guys on our team who have ever beat them in Bears Packers. <laughs> and he's he's wrong. I think it's actually three, but it's 2018, and they at Lambeau 2015. None of them have won at Lambeau, so. That is absolutely a huge role in this. And I think the Bears are playing well. I don't think it's going to happen. But Jordan Love, maximum pain for Bears fans is not ending the season. And Jordan Love passing 4,000 yards, which has never happened in Bears history. And he's like 160 yards away from it. And he already has 30 touchdowns which has never happened in Bears history. You're right. So So, basing a prediction on Bears-Packers history or karma in the series is what we do on the show now. And when we do it, no one gets ridiculed for basing predictions on things like that. You're right. I agree with you 100%. You were saying saying that because... Citing things that haven't happened since 2015 and how quarterbacks from Green Bay inflict maximum pain on the Bears... When the two previous quarterbacks are both that's my that is my analysis. Yeah, same thing. That's it's Uh, it's not the same. Here's my analysis on it: Chicago's defense is the best unit that's in the game. They haven't given up more than 20 points in a game since before Thanksgiving. And Detroit needed to score 17 points in the fourth quarter, and most of it in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter to get past that number. Uh, I think the Bears are going to beat them and keep Green Bay out of the playoffs, and that is going to make the decision amongst fans fans yes exactly to get rid of Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus even harder and unfortunately for Caleb Williams uh, it's going to make I think for some fans there there's not going to be a lot of grace for him initially because yeah right because dude you're I mean you're you're underselling it they chanted we want Fields and as as a known Caleb guy my unpopularity is like when I got hired levels, like people are not happy with what I'm saying on the radio right now. It is an unpopular opinion to say that the bear should move on. Well, why don't you just field. pander and just take the path of least, least resistance and give the listeners what they want you to say. You're above yeah, that. There's plenty of that out there. Uh, but dude, it's, it's crazy. And, and I'm not saying that the opinion is crazy. Like, I think you can make the argument, especially if you don't love Caleb and trading the pick and stacking it and building it like San Francisco or trying to or whatever. I think it's like you can make the argument and rational minds can, reasonable minds can disagree on it. But it has gotten to the point where, and we're four months away from it happening. And so it's, it's all, it's, it's going to get way uglier and way worse. Um, there are people that, do not like Caleb Williams because of it already. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, dude. But think about how crazy that is. Experts say generational quarterback goes to team that, in your scenario, is an eight-win team that finished six and two. You're not dropping generational quarterback prospect onto bad team. You're dropping him onto the team. In theory, you should want established coaching staff, number one wide receiver three good young offensive linemen under contract, including the tackles with a GM who was an offensive lineman who has hit an offensive lineman in mid rounds in Kansas city and here. 
and DJ Moore and Cole Komet and Tyreek Stevenson and Jalen Johnson and Montez Sweat and your own first round pick that it would be about 12 in the scenario if they if they win somewhere in there really good player I mean you are in a great spot to win the NFC North next year with Caleb Williams and if he hits be set up for like a decade and if if Fields is as good as you think he is and your very good smart general manager says I got a guy who's younger cheaper and better that should be like the most exciting thing any fan base could possibly experience in the NFL other than winning a Super Bowl. And there are, I mean, a huge percentage of my audience that is dreading it, dreading it, dreading drafting Caleb Williams to a good up and coming roster. That is crazy. Bears fans are going to say some crazy things in the next four months. And Chicago hosts are going to say some crazy things in the next four months against that scenario. Blows my mind. Blows my mind. Next. Dude, I always put my phone down, which is where the rundown is. So then I pause, and then it's like I'm not looking at NFC the East games. I got you. That's not the next game. Yes, it is. Oh no, it's not. Vikings right. Lions. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Livid. Wasn't picked for the Pro Bowl. How do you react to stories like this? I, in this case, I love it because this guy's entire career has been fueled by where he was drafted and all the wide receivers and reciting their names every morning before he practices or goes to work. And that's the chip on his shoulder. That's like Michael Jordan level stuff where you're that petty and you're still holding a grudge uh, when you've now established yourself as one of the best players in the league. So I like that he's using this as uh, you know bulletin board material for the rest of the year. I think Detroit kind of needs some of that. You know, I know that Dan Campbell has this image as a really tough, hard-ass coach. But I don't want, you know, I think as a guy that bet them to win the Super Bowl early in the year, I don't want this mission accomplished feel about things with them. And they're going to treat this game against Minnesota that way. From the looks of things, the line is still three and a half, but Campbell sounded very wishy-washy on how he intends to use his guys in this game. Um, You know, I want them to carry that, like, us against the world mentality. No one's picking us vibe. We got screwed by the NFL and the Cowboys game. I want them to take that in. By the way, what do you think of that? I should ask you that question. Like, they, do I you mean, think, of course they got screwed. I mean, they, they objectively, they objectively got screwed. I don't even know what, the, I mean, the correct guy, they, they did it correctly in terms of like what they said to the official and the official messed it up. And they got the two-point conversion and would have won the game. So I think what Campbell did afterwards was petulant and insane going for it from the seven-yard line, like out of defiance. That was, I mean, obviously completely ridiculous. Like once you get screwed, you got to take your L there and kick the extra point. That yeah, was that's what I was gonna say. Like no, no, I mean that that was that that was reckless, but the the call and what we found out about the call and like did they get screwed like yeah they i mean that's as getting screwed as you could possibly get screwed the refs messed it up and lied about it and got and got punished for it like that i mean that's that's about as black and white as it gets in terms of did they get screwed yeah like that that decision by Campbell to go for it again crazy scares me about him in the playoffs because that was an emotional rash decision. That was a decision yeah, that was, yeah. And like, 
I mean, the, the argument is that they were never going to get the one seed, but it was obviously for two and three. You know, I mean, there was a world in which they could get the one seed, but it was go to overtime. I mean, huh? I just I'm saying in that. No, I, know, I know. But what he's saying is like the make it about that. Like they screwed us or we overcame them screwing us winning or losing that game. Not very consequential. Yeah, but I know. I mean, I, that, and, and, and the hope is, is that he would make a different decision if it's the wild card round of the playoffs. Right. You know what yeah, I, mean? I mean? That's that's what you have to be hoping for. Yeah. So from that perspective, like, does he win over the locker room by still going for it in that situation, even though it's not the prudent thing to do? Possibly. I think you he know how much really they- well on the local radio show, like. He handled it really well this You week. know how I, much they like him. I mean, the yeah. damn players voted Aaron Glenn, the number one def- in the entire league, voted him the number one defensive coordinator they'd want to play for. When objectively, he's bad at his job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, objectively. Yeah. They've, yes, it's a, it's a bad defense and they've used, they've got young resources on it. I think it, I think they do have a lot of talent. I, we talked about it so much at the time. Jalen Carter should be a lion. Think about how different. I, I know Philly's defense is bad and he's on it, but like Jameer Gibbs has been very impressive, obviously. But that is, they got great running back production last year. They're getting it this year. Their offense is high level. They I agree with a, you. What? I agree with you on that. They should. Yeah. They should have Jalen Carter instead. We and we we talked about that for. 10 podcasts before the draft, but that was the scariest fit for him. Okay, the NFC East games are the Cowboys at Commanders and then the Eagles at Giants. Two-part question. Is Dallas on upset alert? And if they are, is Philly even capable of taking advantage of that right now? So my prediction is that both win, that that Dallas and Philly win. That's That's what I think is going to happen in the game. So... Can Philly take advantage of it to answer your question directly? Yes. They're a five-point road favorite in New York against the Giants team, and Philly has all the motivation in the world, and the Giants organizationally and on the field, unless you're just arguing straight pride, don't. Uh, So I don't know. Like I think there's no way Dallas loses. You agree with that, right? Like We don't even entertain that. Why? Wait a minute. Why? They lost to Arizona on the road. I know what the line says. It's 13 and a half. It's Rivera's I mean, last Arizona, game. So, so Arizona now has beaten both of these teams. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're not – Arizona's got Kyler. It's not an embarrassing loss, like, in the context of this game. They both lost to him. Kyle, it's Kyler's back. It's well, it's not – that's not I – don't, I don't think that that's a concern. What I mean, I mean Washington played Philly super close in both games this year before Philly's collapse really set in. And their biggest problem – is that Howell turns the ball over too much when he plays and their defense sucks. So those are their two issues. If Howell doesn't turn the ball over, he's absolutely capable of putting up points on Dallas. And the Cowboys on the road, I'll say it again. I know. Dak has 10 touchdowns and five interceptions away from home. He turns into, and I now say this with more of a negative connotation, he turns into Gardner Minshew when they leave Dallas. <laughs> he does. No, it's, it's just funny based on how how the conversation went earlier. But yeah, but like he goes from MVP caliber quarterback to like slightly above average quarterback. That guy should not be a two touchdown underdog, and you know a two touchdown favorite. And one more thing, and this is more to you 
Like, you think that they're just going to lie down in Rivera's last game? I think well, that, was what I, that was what I was just going to say. I, I don't, I, historically, it's all been love for Chico, for Ron Rivera. Like, everyone loves him, everyone respects him. There's a report that Eric Bienemy's on the short list for the Vegas job. Uh, they've traded guys away. Everyone knows he's gone. Like, I, I assume that that's not, but I think that there's like a lot of coaching variants in that game. Like, I think it's absolutely in play that Washington is too dysfunctional. Everyone's getting fired and they mail it in one, two, three Cabo. Uh, but Mike McCarthy's the coach of the other team, man. Like, so like, I think that there's just like big variants uh, on both. Well, that's why I'm saying Dallas is a very shaky 13 and a half point favorite to me. Um, but I would pick Philly to annihilate the giants. They, they almost, they played way down to the competition when they, in the game a couple of weeks ago, and they still won by eight. I mean, come on. They've got to crush them. (laughs) I would think. I would think. I mean, or we're definitely betting against them in the playoff round. promise you that. We are we. Can we try to do that for our playoff shows, by the way? I know we're going along. Uh, We got to agree on some bets for the playoffs. We had a lot of success doing that last year. I don't know why we stopped. Yeah, I don't either. We should be doing that for the season. Uh, Jags, Titans. Jacksonville. You think they're walking into a hornet's nest? Yes. Okay, so we just kind of did that a little bit for Washington. Think about the emotions of the game for Tennessee. We saw the Vrabel press conference where he dropped F-bombs about how badly he hates to lose. It's probably Derrick Henry's last game. Now, if you look at me in Tennessee, if you look at him like I do, where he's a Hall of Fame running back. Yeah, I'm Marv, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's really (laughs) not something that should raise eyebrows. Um, I just don't think he's going to go out like a chump here. And I think he's going to get the ball a lot. Tannehill will probably start. Uh, It's probably going to be his last game there after five years in an AFC championship trip. I know if I were Jacksonville, look, there are much better teams they could play in week 18 with the playoffs on the line. But we've seen this happen before where, you know, like I'll just give you an example from college basketball last year. Notre Dame was a terrible team, but in Mike Bray's last game, they beat whoever they played by like 30 because it was his final game there. And like those guys just rallied around a head coach. There's just a lot of guys that are saying goodbye there in Nashville. And I just also don't think that Jacksonville, that this anecdote of play in Carolina last week is what the doctor ordered that that reverses course for them and gets them back on their winning track. So I think it's a very tricky game for them. And I think Tennessee beats them straight up and wins the game outright. All right. More first and pod, including all the NFC South games after this. All right. Back on first and pod pony. Thank you again. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, all things. What are you thanking me for? Like I'm getting, I I have to be here. This is an obligated thing. I'm not a guest that is giving you. Did I say thank you? Yes, you said thank you for being here. Do I have a? a is there any other thing I could be? No, I'm I'm not forced, but I'm contractually obligated to be here with you right now. No, I know your family is hostage in the other room until you get off this podcast call. I Correct. understand. Um, what's the game? Oh, the NFC, NFC South, South games. games. Falcons are at the Saints, and the Bucks are at the Panthers. 
Who has the most to lose on Sunday? You don't have to make it about a team per se. You can if you want, but it can be about the, the people involved in these two games. Well, ah, God. I mean, I think Baker has the most to lose. I want to see Baker get the opportunity. Like, for we talked about him not being appreciated enough and the contract he could have played himself into. And like the team, like Tampa could just come out and say, We have our quarterback. It's Baker Mayfield. And when they they could say that like chess out. And when they do, he wins this game. They make the playoffs. We see him on a playoff stage. He plays well. The sports take industrial complex is going to be like, I mean, damn, maybe. Like, no one mocks Seattle committing to Geno after what he did. It was like, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's for five years, but, like, they well, go they in. They didn't next- go insane with the contract. They found a good middle ground. That's what I'm saying. A reasonable deal. commitment to Geno Smith to make him their quarterback and everyone to be like, they could be a top five offense this year. Like, people believed in it, and they did not look at the quarterback as a can I just Can I just go back to the very first season preview podcast we did? And I literally said to you, I think the Buccaneers can be this year's Seahawks. We have that audio somewhere. I said that. I go, look at the receivers they have in Baker Mayfield. I 100% think that that's a possibility this year. And now on January 4th, you are saying that exact thing. There's a lot of predictions I got wrong this year. Kenny Pickett getting MVP votes would be cheap among them. (laughs) But this is one that I pretty much have them. Yes, this was a good one for me. So you think it's Baker? Well, I just, in terms of court of public opinion, yes, I do. So the New Orleans guys seem to be safe. Rappaport said that Dennis Allen's not going to get fired at the end of the year. And Derek Carr knows he has the Saints over the barrel because of the way his contract is written up. And it did the, oh, I'd definitely be open to a restructure thing because he knows that they can't even really approach him about a pay cut. So he's not going anywhere either. So it can't be Carr. It can't be Allen. I think even if Tampa were to lose, Mayfield would still either A, get a contract from the Bucks or a contract from someone else. I think he's 28 touchdowns. He's coming off his first multi-interception game of the entire season. I think he's made himself one of 32 starting quarterbacks for next year. So my answer is Arthur Smith. I agree Smith. with that. My answer is Arthur Smith here. Mm. Um, I think he... I think they're, I, I, look, I don't think Tampa Bay is a slam dunk to go to Carolina and win. That was a three point game about a month ago. And if Atlanta were to, at that point, if there's an upset in that game, the winner of the Falcon Saints game makes the playoffs. So if Atlanta were to backdoor their way in, would Arthur Smith still get fired at the end of the year? They host a playoff game. I mean, that's the one scenario in which. I think he'd save his job. He'd have to maybe even win a playoff game. That was what I was going to say. I think think if he wins the playoff game. Okay, but he gets a stay of execution if they win. So that's why I'm saying he has the most to lose. He can survive and give himself a chance to save his job for another week if the Falcons were to make it. I mean, but but again, that's that's out of it. I guess if if what I'm saying holds true, he he doesn't even get the shot, right? Tampa wins. There's nothing he could have done. He's done on Monday. So he's not, he's just not in control of that necessarily. Right. You're saying if Tampa were to also lose. Yes. So that'd be something we'd be thinking about like end of the day on, uh, on Sunday. Seahawks Cardinals. 
Cardinals coaches say they're going with Kyler next year. Are you buying it? Yeah. Wait, why are you saying, why are you shaking your head there? For the no, people no, no, that no. are watching. It's, 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 a, it's a good question. I was reading that as, as I, you know. So I like it. When I, when I've seen Kyler Murray play this year, I've liked what I've seen. Okay. Like I saw him, I was in person at the Steelers Cardinals game when he came here and they beat Pittsburgh, a game that could cost the Steelers a playoff spot. I thought he played well. Uh, the Philly game last week, recency bias. They're down 21 to six. They come all the way back. They win and they go to Philly and he goes in there and shoves it up the Eagles rear end. I love that. But here are just some of the facts from him this year. It's nine touchdowns to five interceptions, and his QBR is 45, which is one spot ahead of Sam Howell. I mean, that's just not – that's – it's not a full season's worth of work, but just what has he done this year? He's played the quarterback position in a very, in a very average way. I mean and- – so, so like the thing, the thing with Kyler, man. So I just, I just pulled it up. He, twenty twenty four, cap hit fifty one eight, dead cap eighty one. He's on the team next year, forty five million, dead cap thirty three. You can move on if you wanted to. Uh, they've yeah, got you could. I mean, that's what Russ. That's what's happening to Russell Wilson. Yeah. Okay. So he's the, he's contractually. He's overwhelmingly likely on their team next year. Dead cap, $80 million. Now, I understand that they've got the third pick in the draft, potentially, but and it's a good quarterback class, but the obvious play financially there is to either maximize your draft pick in trade value, add multiple assets, uh, and kick the can down the road, if you can, for a first-round pick next year when you're like really able to move on from Kyler so you can maneuver in the next quarterback class. And or give Kyler a shot because of what you said, because of potential. And obviously, best case scenario is it works out. Give him Marvin Harrison Jr. They're going to be the overwhelming favorite to land him in the draft. And see if you can make it work by dropping in potentially Julio Jones to the team. You know, like that that's the argument for Arizona. So I think it's just good business for them to be in on Kyler Murray for at least one more year. Contract, draft position, his potential upside, the guy you could pair him with, everything. I just I just I just think it's good business. Uh games involving teams that have clinched but aren't playing for anything. Rams, Niners, Chiefs, Chargers, Browns, Bengals. Is there a biggest thing you take from these three meaningless games? A storyline you like, something on these three teams, these three games where people are benching starting quarterbacks and mailing it in? I mean, no. no. Like, I'm like, Rams Niners is an easy no for me. Uh, wow. What 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 interests you most? I mean, I can't think of anything from the Niners side. Oh, there's okay. an easy – that. I mean, I'm going to go back to what I've said on this podcast a few times. Uh Purdy threw four interceptions against Baltimore. Darnold and mop-up duty didn't look bad. Hold on. Let me finish my point. And Shanahan is still going to play Samuel, Ayuk, Kittle, Trent Williams to start the game. I think he wants at least a series of Sam Darnold with those guys just to see how it looks. I think he wants the insurance policy, man. And I think he cashed that in. I'll say it again. 
sooner or faster than most people think. I don't think it's a lock that Brock Purdy is the 49ers starting quarterback next year. Different conversation. I obviously agree with that. They traded three first-round picks to take Trey Lance. Like, the guy is interested in high-end talent at the position. Actions have spoken louder than words there. But it's not Sam Darnold who's replacing him. Okay. Sam Sam Darnold could have four touchdowns and no picks in this game. Brock Purdy is starting and completing the playoff games. All of them. There's not a scenario where Sam Darnold is a problem for Brock Purdy this year. What stretch do you have for the next game? What? Just may I just say one thing before we move on on that last point about completing games? If they were to play a game, okay, so let's say they get the Rams in a rematch in the divisional round, and they get down two touchdowns, and Purdy has thrown two interceptions in the first half, and it's halftime, and the score of the game is like 20 to 6. You don't think in that moment he would consider going to Darnold whatsoever. If Darnold has the type of game in week 18 that you just hypothetically threw out there where he plays awesome. Yeah, I mean, that would be awesome. That'd be dope if he considered it. And in that exact scenario, you checkmated me there. Yes, of course. In that exact scenario, four touchdowns for, all right, fine. All right, sell me on that. Do you want to sell me on Patriots, Jets, Raiders, Broncos. Most interesting thing in games involving eliminated teams. I mean, this one was easy. Belichick, last game. Is this his last game with the Patriots? He's the most accomplished coach in NFL history and will overwhelmingly likely be the most accomplished coach in NFL history when our kids are hosting a podcast 30 years from now. Like, it's over, you know what I mean? He's no one's winning seven Super Bowls with one team in how the modern NFL works. So I just, I think it's clearly that and the conversation and does he do anything to acknowledge it? Do the players, do the teams, do, do they tip their hand in any Ooh, way? That's a, that, uh, that is a, that is a very, well, wait a minute. Oh, the game is in New England, right? Or no, is it in, is it in New York against the Jets? Spencer, look that up. I think it's, I think it's in, I think it's in New England, right? The game is in New England. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah, dude. It could be his last game ever. It's been reported. There, You know, there's the meeting. It's him, Bob, and Jonathan the next day. Like, that's how it ends, right? That's what they said they do every year. If I were going to that game as a Patriots fan for his uh, frustrated as I would be over his general managing and roster malpractice, and all those things, I would want to go to that game and give the guy, I think, a standing ovation and send him off. You got to do something, man. Like you got to just, yeah. you got to show out. It's got to be great. Yeah, it has, it has to be treated that way, and it has to be great. And a lot of former players, I think, would want to be back there for that. I agree. But I don't, I don't think that they would like organizationally. I don't know about that. I think, like, I don't think that or, you want to ceremoniously do it. Like, I think it is like the guy in section two twelve type of thing. Yeah. Like. You know what I mean? Because the, the, the org shouldn't tip their hand one way or the other. And if he do, if he like wants to go out without that, because they all have already agreed to that, you got to at least let him go out with that kind of control. So if they want to keep it quiet, they will. But the fans should not. That should that should be an awesome scene uh, in Foxborough. I hope it is anyway. No, you don't. You hate Bill Belichick. You want it to be the lamest scene of all time. What do you? Nah, nah. Come on. It's it, and dude, 
I mean, I got a prediction for how that ends, if you wanted. I don't think we should unveil it 47 minutes into this podcast where we didn't even know. Uh, but I got a theory for how it's going to go. Remind me Sunday night. Last one. I've got two nuts here, cashew or or almond. Which one do you go with if you can only have one nut for the rest of your life? Almonds are in my smoothie that I make every morning. Almonds. Love them. What Terrible about you? take, as per usual. Cashews are just so much more delicious. It's not even a discussion, man. I don't really, I, I'm not a huge like nut as snack guy. Uh, it's a, So it's like a smoothie situation. So I can't tell them the difference. All right. I suppose in that argument, I could put cashews in my smoothie. But that seems ridiculous. Um, thank you to Spencer Ray, our producer. Thank you for listening. More five-star reviews. First in pod. Peace.